Now time for Chillin' with Quillin' on ESPN Central Texas. On his Matt Mosley show, and um, always love hearing that, Chillin' with Quillin'. And to get to see the man in person last night was great. I mean, we've given the man a chance to get his feet back under him after a long football season. And uh, judging by last night, now, Curtis, I was kind of monitoring your um, your situation there. That game ends really late. That's an 8 o'clock game. Now, you usually have, you know, that 10 o'clock broadcast, and you were coming in and out of the post game. And I kind of, you know, I always kind of want to check and make sure my TV friends are, are doing okay. Were you able to get everything you needed done on, on kind of a, uh, that that's some weird timing when that game ended for your uh, broadcast, I would think. Yeah, the game ended in the commercial break right before sports at, at 10 last night. And so <laughs> you, <laughs> when I tell you that those eight o'clock tips on nights where I'm flying, flying solo, yeah. uh, it, it, it's a little uh, hairy, but we, you know, make air, not art. And we had an issue with one file that I don't, you know, sometimes sometimes it's in God's hands. I don't know that it was anybody's fault. I think sometimes the, the computer gods just have their way with something. And uh, if that's the only issue um, that's come up on these nights where I've had to anchor from the Ferrell Center, uh, you know, we'll call we'll call it good on that one. All right. Hi. I was overhearing some of that. I liked some of the terminology. I was trying to learn some TV terminology because you said something about floating something. And I thought, okay, I think I know what that means. But uh, but that's good. Always good to see some insight. And uh, for years, of course, I was on newspaper deadlines. And so I still to this day, I can see Werner up there and I just feel for him because I'm like, oh, my gosh. I mean, I mean, like, if that game, if this was the Dallas Morning News, they wouldn't even gotten it in the paper. I mean, the deadlines are so right. crazy now, they can't hold the paper for it. Tribune Herald for a Baylor game might be able to get it in the paper, but you better have that story in by 10.30 or 11. And, of course, all these newspapers now print their stuff elsewhere. So, like, the Waco mm-hmm. Trib's probably printed in Austin or somewhere. So it's all a very difficult thing. But enough about us. Enough about our careers. <laughs> Uh, It is the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Curtis Quillen back on with us. Great atmosphere last night for basketball. And, Curtis, there are times we go, oh, wish more people were here and people comment on that or take a picture and go, man, I wish you had a better crowd. That's what you want. That's the kind of crowd you – and you say, well, it's, you know, it's Kansas. But the great thing about it is Kansas used to bring a lot of fans to town for one of those games. That was not a huge – Kansas had a few fans sprinkled around the Farrell Center, but that was that was not – I bet they didn't have more than three or 400 fans. That was pretty impressive by the Bear fandom, I thought. You want a fun, uh, a fun stat here, and this isn't a quantifiable stat based on how I got it, but our assistant news director here at 6 News um, is a season ticket holder for Baylor men's basketball – uh, I can't remember if he still has season tickets to football or not, but you know he's a Baylor fan. He's been around uh, the Waco area for a while. He, his, his wife and his kids were at the game last night. He texted me a tip-off, Matt, and said, this is the fewest Kansas fans I've ever seen at a Baylor-Kansas game inside the Ferrell Center. So hat tip to Baylor, Baylor Nation, do that every time. Like, that's I went to a school that is, you know, back in the day was a basketball and a wrestling school. And 
The student section was the same, equally packed for Bedlam against Oklahoma and for Kansas as it was against, like, I don't know. I, uh, who, who was bad in the Big 12 at that time? Uh, TCU? They were terrible at that point. Yeah. And so there were just as many kids, uh, students in the stands at the TCU home game as there were at every other conference home game. Um, the, you know, the student sections be- below the – down in the TV shot were full. The only question is, you know, you've got your overflow seating, and that might be a different story, but that's a different story everywhere. You're not going to get the outside – uh, public to buy tickets to every game um, every time. But do that yeah. every time, Baylor. Like, yeah. that atmosphere was the best one in seven years of covering Baylor basketball. Wow. And that's it... not an exaggeration. That's that that's my honest feeling. I, I call it like I see it. That was the best atmosphere Baylor has had in seven years covering the program. Um, and the fact that they've, you know, they didn't storm the court. And they beat top ten Kansas. Says a lot about where Scott Drew has his program at. Um, and remember, Drew, after the game, credited the student section and the fans uh, for, for part of that. Yeah, the music was good. I think you commented on the music. I, I thought that was really good. I'm not usually for a screaming PA man, but if the students like that, if they like the over-the-top PA man, then I'm okay with it. The name, you know, Grady Dick is the great play, uh, freshman for Kansas. He was delivering his name after shots in a really interesting way. And, and that got some eyebrows raised around the arena. I mean, it was a really interesting atmosphere. And I even felt like the Farrell Center crowd was working blue a little bit last night. And uh, I, I just think they showed up at 8 o'clock. And I don't even think alcohol was involved for the most part. I think they were <laughs> they were kind of loaded for bear and they were ready to go. Uh, and so that was really interesting. What I mean, it, I, and I love watching... Flagler and Cryer and LJ get that thing rolling in the first half. What I was reminded of last night is when they play in transition and, and boy, when they get up the court and they can quickly hunt a shot, boy, this thing can be a juggernaut. Now, they bogged down in the second half, and there was too much one-on-one, and there was a lot of dribbling, and so, you know, they'll have to look at that. But there were moments in that game, especially early, where it was a thing of beauty, and uh, and Bill Self was seen saying weren't something along the lines of they were reading his lips like they're so much better than us. That's what that's what he was seen saying at one point when Baylor took an eighteen to seven lead in that game. That that really to me that showed Curtis that the that the ceiling like if if this team could play that way throughout more of the game. They're, they could be a scary team in March. They can be a terrifying team in March if they can play more games like that and less like the uh, TCU debacle where you have a double-digit lead at the break, you're shooting 75% from deep at the half, and then you just peter out at the uh, in the entire second half. Uh, Baylor's best possessions are the ones where the ball doesn't touch the floor, uh, the ones with one dribble or fewer. And what that basically translates to in the uh, box score is assists. Um, in order to get log an assist, the uh, after the pass, you have to get a shot up within one dribble. So you can, you know, you get the pass, you jab, you take one, to, and you immediately take a dribble to the right or left, and then you pull up at that point. That's an assist, uh, statistically speaking, is my understanding of it. And so that's Baylor's best possession. When we saw that last night was in, in the transition game, uh, 
off of a long offense, off a long rebound on the defensive end of the floor, off a turnover, um, off of a really key timed, uh, really importantly timed uh, offensive rebound from Jalen Bridges, um, which he only had four offensive rebounds, but it felt like he had so much, so many more than that simply because of the timing of them. And then he's able to, you know, he can either go up right there, he can kick it out um, to LJ Cryer, and they can work the ball around the horn without it touching the floor because their passing is so good uh, so much of the time. And so, yeah, Baylor is dangerous in March, but this is a team with a, you know, the, the variance in how this team plays is still too great. Uh, and I think Scott Drew would tell you that, you know, defensively there's still some things. They, they shut down the perimeter last night, and that was a key step. Now they got to guard. They got to they got to help off their man a little bit better on in the one on one defense game. Um, I, I I'm kind of with you. This team is better whenever it can run uh, than it is in the one on one game. Um, but even then, LJ Cryer was still pretty good in the one on one game last night. Uh, Adam Flagler was great at getting open, and that's a huge skill. No matter how simple it seems, um, Keontae George didn't have his best game. But also, they didn't need him to. L.J. Cryer was electric. Adam Flagler was electric. Jalen Bridges was getting every rebound that he needed to. Uh, and I'm still impressed, even after last night, with Joshua John Wuna, the freshman in the post. I still think that with Jonathan out, Jonathan Chamochachua, oh, John Wuna, I think, is their best post presence. Talking to Curtis Quillen, uh, Channel 6 Sports Director. You know him. You love him. Uh, here on the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. What was that we keep hearing? They they showed some footage of of Chama Chachwa, ESPN did, dunking the basketball. Jay Williams did a thing the other day during the game, and it showed that uh, that uh, uh, that thing he's having to wear to help with a drop foot. And when you see that, you're like, oh, man, I don't know how you know he'll ever be anywhere close to what he was. And yet Scott talked about how he's been in practice recently and – and like what what it's been like playing against him? Are you starting to get vibes that maybe he's a lot closer to coming back than we realized? I'm not. Um, remember, we're talking about you know, Nikki Collin. Kind of hinted at it when she got hired in her introductory press conference at Baylor. Who is the best marketing professional that Baylor has? It is Scott Drew. Scott Drew's the eternal optimist. He everything. He, he that part of what makes him such a great basketball coach is. It's on to the next play. We live, we learn, we move on. And he's always looking on the bright side of things. Like, yes, we did this poorly. But on the bright side, we had 12, we had, you know, 14 assists tonight. And something, you know, he, and I, I, here's my thing. We don't have context. We know he's in practice. Doing what? Light, heavy? What's he do? Like, uh, we don't have context. That's not been provided to us. And, you know, it was 11 o'clock at night when we are doing that press conference last night. Maybe we, as the media covering Baylor, could have pushed, like, hey, you talked about John in practice. Help us understand what he's doing in practice. Is it light? Is it heavy? Um, uh, is it, you know, how close is he? Because I will, I'm still of the opinion. The man, Jonathan Chamochachua, is one of the most athletic bigs in the Big 12. We can, we can acknowledge that and sit that fact off to the side and also acknowledge that I would still be shocked if Jonathan Chamochacho suits up in a Baylor uniform this season. The injury he sustained was incredibly difficult to recover from. And if he's not playing right now, then I think he's a hundred. I don't think he's a hundred percent. And 
it's one of those situations where we have to look at the facts and if he if he could play, Scott would play him because we know that John wants to get onto the floor. He's called everyday John for a reason. Um, just like, you know, Davion Mitchell had the nickname off night for a reason. And so I don't necessarily think that he's closer than we're expecting. I think that he's just, I would, I would make the argument that it's just to show how well his rehab is coming along is that he can put weight on that knee. He can safely jump up, dunk a basketball real quick and come back down. Um, but we need, I think that before before Baylor fans start getting too excited, um, that they need that we need to get them more context on just what John is doing at practice. Well, that's we've got our assignment. Okay, I'll I do I yep. I I kind of like to find out on my own privately, and then I'll see what I can share. You do the same. Let's dig in a little bit on this. I do love that Langston Love is. Uh, able to do what uh, he's been doing. And, boy, that's what they've needed. Think about what Kansas is getting off the bench. Absolutely nothing. They Every game I look and they'll get somewhere in the neighborhood of like two to six points at most. They're getting nothing off the bench. And for Langston Love, and he closed out that game. To your point about Keontae, and Keontae hopefully will bounce back, but he's had back-to-back rough games, and he was not into that game the other day in Oklahoma. I don't know what was going on. And I, and I, 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 even his own grandmother, uh, you on Twitter was questioning, you know, that, that whether or not he was into the game. But he, he's such a spectacular player. I thought that was interesting. They closed the game with Langston on the court instead of Keontae. And I was watching last night. I looked to see Keontae did have four fouls. So I mean, that had mm-hmm. something to do with it. But still, he could have been on the court to close out the game, and they opted to have Langston Love. I think it speaks to how much trust the coaches and Scott Drew have in him and then how far he's come. Uh, I, I, I think Langston Love, he's nowhere near the ceiling. And, and again, we don't know how if we'll ever get to see the full Langston Love after that ACL. But if we do, this is a scary good player. I mean, I really, I really think he is, and I, I think this is a great development that he's starting to chip in eight to ten points a game. Langston Love had a tremendous game last night, and you ride the hot hand. Um, and I think every coach in basketball will tell you that. And so it was not shocking to me when I look mm. at, you know, I go back and I watch it, and Langston's having a tremendous game. Keontae's not having his best game. Let's go with the hot hand here. And, you know, I, I've got all the faith in the world that, that Keontae George will bounce back. He's he's too good of a player not to. We've seen him at his best, and we've seen how good that can be. And every athlete has these types of games. I'm not sounding the alarm bells here. Uh, Langston Love, tremendous basketball player. Um, and, you know, I, I've, I know his AAU coach really well. Um, and his AAU coach, when he signed with Baylor, I ran into him at a tournament that I was officiating over the summer trying to, you know, pay for my wedding. <laughs> and um, he was like, dude, Langston's good. Langston is really, really good. Um, and – he, like if he if he can get on the floor, um, just knowing the lineup they had coming in and the lineup that they had still there, especially at guard, uh, he he's going to do some he's going to wow some people. And I think last night we saw Langston Love like wow some people. 
Uh, this is he's he's going to only get better from here. Um, you know, you talk about bench contribution at Kansas. You have to think uh, Kansas is a blue blood program that the founder of the sport started the program at a, a, a program that's won how many games, how many conference championships, both in the Big Eight and the Big Twelve. Um, and so this is it's a it's a little bit of a different animal, but to get that kind of bench production uh, in both positions, you have Langston Love at the guard spot, and then you have Josh Ojanwuna in the post, and. Yes, Ojan Wuna's um, contributions might not all be quantifiable on a box score, but my goodness, it was quite uh, quite easy to see um, in the post whenever when you watch the game. All right, it's always good to catch up with you, and uh, I I'm just glad you like the playlist. I think as long as you're happy at these games. By the way, could you tell? <laughs> Were you close enough to kind of see what Bill Self said or to Doug Sermon to get teed up? I mean, quite honestly, and it looked like he was trying to get teed up for a while, but it was not a great time for it to happen. I mean, the game, it was a seven-point game um, with about se- seven or eight minutes left, and he gets teed up, and it gives Baylor, you know, two free, two free throws right there. Uh, this is not the NBA where you only get one, and so I, I thought it was a bad moment for Self, quite honestly. Um, I will say that it seemed reading the room and understanding how an official's mind works. That said, Doug Sermons is his own, um, his own type of official. Uh, he'd been, he looked like he was pretty close to getting, to getting rung up in the first half. Um, he had been chirping the whole time. He was red in the face a couple of times. You know, you talk to, um, some people who were down there and it's like, yeah, no, like, he was he was getting close in the first half to getting the tee. And so you never know. It could just be – yeah, it was a close game at that point. Uh, yeah. But it could be one of those where he was trying to motivate – some coaches will try to get teed up as a motivation factor. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. oh, look, it's, it's us against the world. And, uh, I mean, look at what Kirby – to a different level, look at what Kirby Smart said after the national championship game. Like the whole, oh, we proved everyone wrong. Um, move that to Kansas basketball, and it's Bill Self trying to get a T. And so maybe he was trying to, maybe he wasn't. I don't know. I will say for a guy who got teed up and was frustrated most of the night, he was pretty calm in the post-game press conference. And I don't know how much of that um, is a really good SID, keeping him from saying something that he couldn't take back uh, and letting him vent and, you know, vented him in the, in the locker room or in the weight room or in the hallway instead of in front of the camera. Uh, and so... There's, I think he's been, he was, he was pretty close in the first half was my understanding. And, you know, after a while, you just, you got, you got to put a, you got to put a stop to things um, in the, every officiating training in the world to tell you that. So I don't know exactly what he said, uh, but he, from the opening tip was all over the stripes last night. Before I go though, Matt, I got to give a shout uh, to my guy Cooper. So this segment, Quill, chilling with Quillen, taking the world by storm, Matt. And I know that makes you really happy. Uh, th- this young man um, goes up to my wife every morning uh, at school. My wife's a teacher, of course, and uh, we'll say uh, Quillen be chilling. So we got I got to give a shout to him, and we gotta we gotta keep this movement growing. I love it. I love it, and we will continue it. And uh, apparently, uh, what age is that? What what uh, age? What grade does she teach? She she's in elementary school, so he 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 is young. He's a he's a really cool kid. 
Yeah. Okay. And, uh, he, well, he loves I, he, he loves he loves some chilling. He loves some quilling chilling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's I'm big with elementary school kids. I really connect. <laughs> This show does great with that uh, demographic. But uh, all right, Curtis. Well, uh, great to have you. Great to catch up. Good to see you last night. We'll see you soon, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks, Matt. Good to see you. Yep. There he goes. Curtis Quillen. It is.